0: What are we discussing on today's podcast, you asked? Well, looks like the answer backs are back. So we got to discuss that crazy game victory in extra innings over the Texas Rangers. Should the D-backs stick with the opener bullpen approach with their rotation? And then finally, we'll wrap it up by discussing why Gabriel Moreno was always the catching answer. All on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. <laughs> Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash Locked on MLB or enter promo code Locked on MLB for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and am a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. And there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design if you want to see more content by me just follow me on twitter at creator thomas 24 from my personal account or just look up locked on Dying back to the Bell twitter instagram for the podcast handle And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. Now, for today's podcast, I first want to discuss that D-back's insane victory over the Texas Rangers because for the first time in a while, we've seen glimpses of this post-All-Star break, but I think this is the most true test for the D-backs in terms of are the answerbacks actually back in the second half of the season because we've seen them. They've won what, like... Eight of their last 10 games, or like eight of their last 11 games now. And we've seen the D backs make a couple comebacks in some of these victories, and we've seen the D backs play a little bit better in the last couple weeks. But I think this is the first time in the second half of the season where I can finally say the answer backs are back because the D backs in the first half of the year, if you remember, the best team in Major League Baseball at coming back on their opponent, it didn't matter the lead, it didn't matter the time, score, situation. It felt like at any point in the game, this D backs offense was was good enough to come back and score a whole bunch of runs and to win and the bullpen was also the bullpen was also solid enough at the time to hold opposing offenses off the board. And then you look at this game against the Texas Rangers. The pitching was phenomenal, but the offense once again as we've seen uh post all-star break struggled in this one and it felt like it was going to be a game where the pitching would just absolutely phenomenal shut out but the offense shows up and does nothing because for the first 8 innings and for the first eight and a third innings of this ballgame, the D-backs had no runs on the board and they only allowed one earned run allowed because the pitching was absolutely phenomenal in this game for the D-backs because we'll talk a little bit later about whether the D-backs should continue this opener bullpen approach. But Man got the ball to started off Five pitches was great. McGuff came in right after that. They were phenomenal. Slade Ciccini was great. Five innings, one earned run, really made only one mistake. Justin Martinez came in. Miguel Castro, Paul Seawald, Kevin Ginkle. All these guys were really good in this ballgame. The whole bullpen was um, really phenomenal overall, but this D-back's team offense could not score any runs until it mattered the most because like i said the first eight and a third inning this offense did nothing and then Ketel Marte in the ninth inning tied it up with a shot off the bat where he knew immediately as soon as he swung that thing was out of here and then the 11th inning with the d-backs down two runs perdomo clutch down the line and then tommy fam walk off hit this d-backs trade deadline ended up being super crucial for them because Paul Seawald got you a clean 10th inning where you just you just breezed right through that inning runner on second rule it does not matter had the utmost confidence in Paul Seawald to close out that inning and get us you know to the next inning with a scoreless frame something that you can't say a lot and often with this D-backs bullpen because trust me, if it was a Miguel Castro, if it was a McGuff, if it was just Joe Mansply coming into that situation for Paul Seawald, you know, coming into that situation instead of a Paul Seawald feels like this D-backs team probably lose the game, but Paul Seawald comes in absolutely clean 10th inning. And then Tommy Pham, Um, didn't have a hit in this ball game um, until that walk-off hit and he had something of a multi-game hitting streak entering this game and then comes up huge in the 11th inning with a massive two-run rip in the alley to give the D-backs the victory. This was just another showcase of how good the trade deadline ended up being actually for the D-backs. Like I said, I wish that they could have maybe got another rotation member, like someone that the D-backs face tonight in a Jordan Montgomery, who I think would have been perfect for this D-backs rotation. But, to upgrade your outfield because the Jake McCarthy's and the Alec Thomas's weren't playing well. And guess what? You acquire Tommy Pham, you send down. Jake McCarthy, all of a sudden, Alec Thomas has a little fire lit under his ass. He's playing really well. All of a sudden, Tommy Pham, he's been playing really well for the D-backs recently. Paul Sewald has been shut down since that first outing where he gave up two home runs in that debut for the D-backs. He's been absolutely shut down in every appearance he's made since then. I want to say he's given up no earned runs, maybe one earned run since then, but in the games I've watched, he's been absolutely shut down, so you'd love to see that. Jace Peterson, of course, has not done anything for the D-backs, but that is not ex- not surprising at all. Like, the Jace Petersons and the Nick Ahmeds, like, I just don't understand what their role on this team is, what they do to really help this team positively. Um, positively, Like, I know Nick Ahmed can still make a defensive play or two on the diamond. I think we saw that in tonight's game against the Rangers, but does his one elite defensive play a game make up for the, 20 straight games where he does nothing at the plate. Uh, I'm not too sure about that one. And Tori Lovello did get me a little nervous too late in that game because in that 11th inning, I want to see Nick Ahmed get pinch hit for Corbin Carroll. Instead, he decided to pinch hit Alec Thomas for Corbin Carroll, lefty for lefty. I don't know why he didn't do it. For a Nick Ahmed who does nothing offensively meanwhile Alec Thomas is a guy who is hot at the plate right now I didn't understand taking him out especially when a couple batters later you substituted in Perdomo so you can't really use the you know defensive misalignment argument so not too sure what happened there but hey D-backs win and now you look at the standings the D-backs are still a game back it feels like you know for the longest time the D-backs were losing every game but it didn't feel like they were really falling down the standings now it feels like the D-backs are winning every game but they're not climbing up the standings which is you know I'd rather be the team that wins every game but not and doesn't climb instead of the team that loses every game and doesn't fall personally I'd rather see my team win than lose but at least the D-backs Feel good in this race. Feel like a strong contender once again in this wild card race because I probably have gone too hyperbolic hyperbolic the last few weeks saying the D-backs don't deserve to make the playoffs. The D-backs are unworthy of the playoffs. And I still feel like this D-backs team, you know, as we saw, played awful in the second half. But I don't want to say that they're undeserving or they're unworthy because this D-backs team, after those two months of being in a slump and looked terrible if the last 40 games of the season, the last 35 games of the season – if that lights a fire under their ass, they get hot and they start playing really good baseball entering the playoffs. Now I'm going to be like, you know what? This team actually for 75% of the season looked great. So I'm not going to care about that two month stretch. That's something I would probably say about uh, to myself. So this D-backs team, I'm sorry for all the negative criticism that I might have had. That was deserving, but I'm sorry if I ever gave up on this team. From here on out, I don't want to ride the emotional roller coaster too much. Whether the D-backs go on a seven-game losing streak or a seven-game winning streak, I'm just going to take every game, every day, day by day, until the final standings come in, until the regular season's over, because the D-backs are going to be within, what, two games, either back or ahead of any wild card opponent that they face from here on out in the standing. So it's going to be tight from here on out. It's going to be a tough race. The Cubs are good. The Giants are good. The Reds and Marlins are both solid. All those teams are going to try to win in these last 35 games. It's going to make for really compelling baseball at the end of the season. And I'm definitely hoping that the D Backs continue this hot streak and continue their winning ways. And I pray that we saw and I pray that what we saw from the answer backs tonight continue for the rest of the season. Now I want to discuss if the D Backs should stick with this opener bullpen approach but before we get there i first need to talk to you guys about bird dogs because bird dogs make you look good Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabrics that look just like khaki but stretches, so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on MLB for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or promo code locked on MLB for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. All right. All right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And don't forget to catch every D-backs podcast or not D-backs podcast. Don't forget that. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast. We download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. That is the message that I want to say but let's get back into the podcast and discuss should the D back stick with this opener bullpen approach? Because it seems to be pretty effective. The D backs have done it a few times since the beginning of July. We saw it in that uh, game two against the San Diego Padres. And then we saw it in this game one against the Texas Rangers. And I got to say this bullpen opener approach is pretty effective. And you know what? I say yes to sticking with this approach. Now, It's a little different opener versus bullpen because when you go with the opener, it means you're going with, like, a guy like Joe Mantiply to pitch to the top of the lineup, maybe pitch – uh, get that first inning and then you go with your traditional Zach Davies starter after that to pitch five innings. The the bullpen approach is more going Joe Mantipai, McGuff, and then maybe we throw in a long reliever, Tyler Gilbert S player, um, to go and, and pitch, you know, a few more innings. And then you're really not throwing a, a traditional starter at any point in that game. So bullpen or opener are two approaches that we've seen the D backs kind of uh, implement and utilize recently. And for me, I think it's super effective and it's something that I want to see the D backs continue to do throughout the rest of the season. Because right now you look at the depth of this D backs rotation. It's Zach gallon. It's Merrill Kelly. It's Brandon Fott. And then after that, the depth is not very strong as we've discussed plenty of times on this podcast, because Tommy Henry, Jay Jameson are both done for the season. It seems like uh, Ryan Nelson He might be done for the season just because of how bad he's looked his last few starts. He's looked kind of lost. Um, We'll see what he can do in Triple A if he can rehabilitate himself. But he just might be a lost cause at this point of the season. So right now he can only trust three dudes to be every fifth day starters in this D backs rotation: Gallon, Kelly, and Fott. So what does that leave for the rest of this D backs rotation? It leaves a lot of long relievers, and there is a guy potentially on the way back soon that could help out this rotation in a Zach Davies, but. Even with the Zach Davies coming back, I still beg the question, why not pair him with the bullpen arm, especially considering he's coming off an injury and maybe won't have that total arm strength and maybe his arm could be a little fatigued to start um, his D-backs tenure once again. And with the guys like the McGuff's and the Joe Mantiplies struggling in high leverage moments, and I mean mightily struggling we've seen these guys over the last few months like they have not been good when the game has mattered the most when it's been a high pressurized moment and you put those guys in when you have one run with runners on you put those guys in do you feel good about it no you do not so i think throwing out a mcguff or man's in these low leverage moments low pressure moments where they could get low confidence to start the game i love it man to start the lineup as soon as the game starts before they get into reps in before these batters warm up i love it for the man and mcguffs so why not do that and then after that you can still bring in your uh you can still bring in your davies after that right you can still have McGuff or Mantiply start the game depending on the lineup because one's a righty, one's a lefty, of course. And then you could bring in your Zach Davies to come in after that and pitch four to five innings if possible. And listen, I think another reason why this works so well, specifically with a guy like Zach Davies, not just because he's coming off injury, but also because he kind of struggles in that first inning. Davies has a 9.75 year right in the first inning this season, but in the second inning this year, he's a 4.5 year right, which is actually the best inning he's pitched all season. The second inning is Davies' strongest inning, while the first inning is arguably his worst. So let's face it, if Zach Davies is going to give up like five runs anyway, why not start that scoreless frame early, right? Why not cheat a little bit and get that scoreless frame early from a Joe Mantiply or a Scott McGuff and Zach Davies is probably going to give up five runs anyway and also why not start Zach Davies in the inning he's most comfortable with now maybe you can still make the argument since even though it's the second inning it's still Davies first inning so now his first inning struggles just apply to the second inning I guess that logic makes sense but I at least want to start Davies in the second inning and get him going against maybe if you're lucky like maybe Mantiply he doesn't give up any earned runs but maybe he gives up a walk and a hit in that first inning and now all of a sudden you're facing like the six seven eight hitters if you're zach davies to start the game in the second inning i think that's really ideal for a guy like zach davies who has struggled all season long and then also the days where it's not open opener and the Zach Davies. I kind of like the idea because I both like Slay Chichini and Bryce Jarvis because we saw Slay tonight come in whatever inning it was, a third inning, and pitch five really strong innings for this D-backs. I love the way he's looked this year. I've also loved the way Bryce Jarvis has looked this year. Why not just pair those two together so they could fill one slot? Because I don't think either of those guys is ready for a full-time role in the rotation, but could those two guys be – two halves of one slot in the starting rotation, why not start both of them? Let Slade start the game and go three to five innings and then give Jarvis another two innings. That seems like a really smart plan to me. Obviously, they're both righty, so I don't know if you want to do that, but I think it'd be pretty interesting. Gallen, Kelly, and Fott should be locked into your one, two, three, and then you you use those long relievers um, on the days where those top three are not pitching. And if a guy gets worn down because you're maybe overtaxing your bullpen uh, uh just a little bit too much. You're loaded in AAA. A with a bunch of dudes who are quite similar to each other. It's the reasons why that you have the Slate Chicinis and the Bryce Sharvises up on the major league level right now. Maybe a Ryan Nelson does turn it around and could call him back up later in the season. Maybe there's someone else, maybe a Blake Walston or or I don't know how to pronounce his name, but like a Lynn you want to call up. Like there's so many options for the D backs that they could do. Um if somebody get, does get worn down, like I love this riding the hot hand approach that the D-backs have done um, with some of their position players and some of their outfielders. So I love if they could do that too with their bullpen and the rest of this rotation. And guess what? I also want to see the D-backs do this for the rest of the season and probably in the playoffs because I do think this strategy could be a little teaser into what the D-backs might do in the playoffs because like I said, after fought, the rotation is not strong. And if you want to and if you want to put someone out there in game four game five I don't think you're going to throw out a rookie to pitch five six innings I don't think you're going to trust a Ryan Nelson you might go with this bullpen opener approach if you're Tory Lovello once you make it to the postseason and it's probably the best way to preserve a Zach Allen unless you're going to pitch Zach Allen on super on super short rest and want to Make him the game four starter and Merrill Kelly the game five starter, and you just have a three man rotation. Fine, you could do that if you want once you get into the postseason, but I probably think you need at least one day where you're doing the bullpen, you know, opener approach if you're the D backs. I don't think this approach is going to win you the World Series, but I do think it could. Get you enough wins to make it to the playoffs. And then once you're in that point, anything is possible. I don't care. Um, I don't think this approach will make you, will get you to the World Series. But again, anything is possible. And I just want the D backs to make it to the postseason. I want them to win at least a series. But this is not a team that has to make it to the NLCS. This is not a team that has to make it to the World Series. A couple of postseason wins and a postseason birth would make me just pretty happy overall. I think what this strategy does illustrate to me is maybe once we get to the offseason the most important thing for the d-backs is not the bullpen but maybe it's actually rotation death because the d-backs are at least solid at producing decent options for like long relievers and they're just solid at producing decent options for the bullpen right like the jamesons was at least a decent reliever you got the chachinis you got the jarvises right now justin martinez is up like I'm not saying this D-backs bullpen is perfect, but if you ran it back with this bullpen and added one or two arms from free agency, I think the D-backs have enough internally where they can make it work from a bullpen perspective. But I don't think you can run this rotation back. I don't think you could go into next season with gallon kelly fought and then just figure out the rest ideally i want fought to be more of a four five next season probably more of a four i just don't think he's ready to be a number three just yet even though he seems to be getting better as the season moves on progresses i still want more in that number four range for next season because i look at the free agent market for major league pitchers, it's pretty decent. Some guys who I think would be pretty solid in the middle of the D-backs rotation, Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, A-Rod, Jordan Montgomery are all going to be upcoming free agents. So I would like for the D-backs to maybe go out and acquire one of those guys, shore up this rotation a little bit. But for at least the rest of this season, the most effective strategy from what I've seen the last few weeks, keep doing this opener, keep doing the bullpen strategy because of the lack of rotation and depth for the Because of the lack of depth pieces in the rotation, I like the bullpen and opener strategy, and it was a very smart move by Torrey Lovello. Let's give him a little credit. Now I want to wrap up this podcast by talking about why Gabriel Moreno was always the answer at catcher. But first, I want to say, don't forget, you can catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. Let's talk about Gabriel Moreno and why he was always the answer at the catcher position for the D-backs. Because I don't want this to be just a total negative Carson Kelly segment. Because there's a lot of blame to go around during the two months where the D-backs have, where during the two months where the D-backs looked. Absolutely terrible where they sucked, where they looked cooked, where they looked like the team that I said was undeserving of making the postseason. But maybe it was just some stank and bad aura from a Carson Kelly. Because again, I don't want to get too negative on the guy, but it is actually night and day with the D-backs or Carson Kelly in versus with him out of the lineup. Because the D backs were Carson Kelly in the lineup this season. Because if you remember, Carson Kelly got healthy. Right around it was like June 12th or June 13th was Carson Kelly's first game back. The D backs started sucking like June 12th or June, th- or June 13th, like immediately when Carson Kelly got back is when the D backs start to go into the tank, and you can see why because the D backs record with Carson Kelly in the lineup is nine and twenty three. They are nine and twenty three with Carson Kelly in the lineup. So what's the record with him out the lineup? Not counting tonight's victory. 55 and 38. So that is 56 and 38 now after today's victory with Carson Kelly out the lineup. And with Gabriel Moreno in the lineup, it's not like it's insane. The. D backs positive record, but they are six games above five hundred this season with Gabriel Moreno in the lineup, and that includes that two month stretch where the D backs were absolutely terrible. And it's no surprise during that stretch when the D backs were bad, Gabriel Moreno missed a lot of it with injuries. So just right then and there, just looking at the records, looking at the D backs win loss total during the time when one guy was healthy and one guy wasn't, you just know automatically that this D backs team has been so much better with the Moreno in the lineup out of versus Carson Kelly in the lineup, and We just saw in the past week, I mean, against the San Diego Padres, Moreno was the star in that series with the grand slams, the home runs, the defensive uh, plays that he made. Like Gabriel Moreno is an absolute stud for the D-backs. And Carson Kelly, it's not just the fact that this was a guy that was considered or was supposed to be um, considered to be a, a, a catcher that can do more than what most catchers can do offensively at the play, Right, This was someone that could be a 20-plus home run guy for you, someone that could hit for a decent average, hit for a solid OPS, maybe be that 5-6 hitter in your lineup, really be a, a contributor to run scoring and run producing results. But outside of 2019, we didn't really see – Many glimpses of that offensive Carson Kelly, um, that offensive contributor, offensive impact player for this Arizona Diamondbacks team. And what makes it worse? Carson Kelly really didn't help defensively either. So it's like if you're this guy who is always considered an average at best defender, but plus offensive player, but your offense and your bat never come around. Meanwhile, your defense is just stagnant at best. It makes it tough for the D backs to continue holding on to you as an everyday catcher because the defensive metrics on fan graphs do not really like a Carson Kelly. Most of them are negative. Most of them say he did not really provide any positive any positivity from a defensive standpoint. When you look at blocking balls, we look at framing pitches, when we look at throwing out guys, Kelly is pretty much considered below average and all of that. So when it's like what does Carson Kelly do To help out my team. It's really tough to say. And it's really. uh, You can really see why this D-backs team. Has been so much better with him out the lineup. And then you look at a guy like Gabriel Moreno. Like he's not great in every defensive category. Or every defensive metric. But he does lead all catchers. With at least 600 innings. And defensive runs saved. And he also leads all catchers in the major leagues. And caught stealing percentage. With over 60%. Like 64% of the time. Entering today's game. Gabriel Moreno threw out opposing runners, which is just an insane number. Gabriel Moreno has a rocket, and if you try to run on him, more than likely he's going to throw you out. Then the guy replacing a Carson Kelly, Jose Herrera, he's not that great defensively in terms of most of the fan graphs metrics because he's like right there in Carson Kelly pretty much every defensive metric except one. Herrera by the numbers, Herrera by the numbers, is also one of the best catchers in Major League Baseball at throwing out opposing runners. So when I think about the identity of this D backs team, it should be. Create havoc as much as possible on the pace, uh, on the bases from an offensive standpoint, right? Steal as much as possible. Take as many extra bases as possible. Don't be afraid to play small ball from time to time. And then on the other side, the defensive perspective from the D-backs should be inviting opposing runners to take off when you have those two missiles behind you at the plate in Moreno and Herrera. The D-backs identity should all be about chaos and run Stealing opportunities, both giveth and both taketh away for the D-back. So when you have two productive catchers that could just run, well, you have one productive catcher from a both offensive and defensive standpoint. And then Herrera at least is productive from a throwing out opposing runner standpoint. So when you have those two guys, um, you're going to have a really nice combination at catcher. And then also I just want to talk about how the D-backs have always had productive catchers with a bat throughout their history. If you look at their franchise history, like the D-backs have always had catchers that could do something offensively, so when I think about Carson Kelly not living up to that it's kind of a shame because the D-backs have always kind of gone after those catchers that can do something offensively and I think Gabriel Moreno is going to fit perfectly in that mode for the D-backs and kind of be that missing piece that the D-backs have always wanted from Carson Kelly because you look at some of the D-backs catchers from the past the Chris Iannetta's the Wellington Castillo's the Miguel Montero's the Chris Snyder's like the D-backs have always had catchers that could get you a 815 OPS with 18 home runs and just be a solid run producer in the middle of your lineup I don't think Gabriel Moreno Moreno is going to be a Buster Posey, but if he's doing what he's doing right now on defense and then is like a a Contreras brother on offense, like a William or a Wilson Contreras on offense with what he can do defensively, I will gladly take that. I think Gabriel Moreno is a great culture guy, a great clubhouse guy. I'm glad that Mike Hazen traded for him this past offseason. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll be talking to Bryce Patrick of Locked on Rangers about the series and recap it as always. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch, don't forget to catch every d backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series. XM Map and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.